This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Kate and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hello, I'm um, Maria. I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other, that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, 
neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Maria. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you are listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So, let's meet our guest. Would you like to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Uh, I'm Maria, I'm an alcoholic, and I guess I've always been an alcoholic. And from the first time I remember having a drink, um, I was at high school, the final year at high school, and uh, work function, I was working part-time somewhere, and I think end of year, yeah, it was the end of year, and my parents were called to take me home because I was completely blottoed and mm. in a blackout, and so right from that first drink, I had a sense of shame from my family, a sense of bewilderment, what happened, uh, so it actually wasn't fun. Mm. unlike lots of people who enjoy their drinking from the first drink. Mm. That first time was something out of my control. Um, So I did try every which way over those years, later teenage years, early 20s, to manage my drinking, Mm. sometimes not drinking for long times. Um, I did lots of geographicals, travelling overseas, back and forward. Yeah, it didn't actually work. So there were periods of not drinking, and then there was some night where I would binge and have blackouts and whatever sort of life I'd built up work-wise or whatever, not drinking, kind of all went to custard. So I always had a sense of shame Mm. because I didn't know what I did in blackouts. All right. So could you just tell me a little bit about sort of where where you grew up and where you came from? Uh, Small town, Canterbury, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and how long have you been sober now? This time, 14 years. Fantastic. So you talked a little bit about, obviously, you started drinking quite young. What did you find then that obviously that alcohol did for you then? 
Can you tell well, I guess us it gave bit? me confidence. Um, yeah. You know, I was kind of a shy person. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just helped me blend in with people around me. Yeah, mm. I could talk and, yeah, I didn't sit there. <laughs> I was involved. <laughs> yeah. So it was more of a social thing, the drinking back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever feel, obviously you started talking a little bit about the shame and things that came yeah. in. So obviously that something happened with your drinking where it started to feel like there was a there was a problem with it? No, just that first time that yeah. I remember and my parents were really ashamed mm. you know, what's happened to our daughter and mm. just uh, that whole process of not being able to communicate with them. And yeah, it actually caused a barrier from that time mm. right through. Yeah, that's really hard. When those, you know, when it when it starts affecting those family relationships Absolutely, and things like that. Yeah. So then, from there on, obviously you had a, had a bad instance with the, one of the first times drinking, but you chose to keep on drinking, or, or not chose, but you know you kept on drinking. Can you tell me a little bit about your drinking from there on in? Uh, well, as I said, it was sporadic. You know, I yep. didn't drink for long periods because I got a fright, and uh, then of course you want to set into a pattern, working with others and going for drinks Friday night, whatever. Mm. Um, and sometimes I'd have one drink, but invariably there'd always be a blackout. And a lot of that period was mm. travelling overseas. Mm. I did a lot of geographicals, as we say in AA, where things become stressful, so you just take off. Mm. And I did a lot of that back and forth to Europe and Australia and, yeah, moving around. Mm. Always got jobs, um, always ended up setting up a place to live, making friends. But after a blackout binge or whatever, it was just like chaos. Mm. <laughs> and I'd run away, literally. Yep. I remember once just leaving about a month's pay I was owed and just packing my bag mm. and going. So, yeah. When Did you ever try and stop drinking during that time? Oh, yes, long yeah. periods of not drinking months. or Yeah, I think there was one about nearly a year. Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? We always, we always pick up once again, once we've stopped for a wee while. So can you tell me a little bit about what, what made you realise you needed help? Well, in one of those travels, I met someone I fell in love with and, you know, the story of, you know, I was young and uh, we got engaged. Mm. So we were at his family's home down south in Otago at our engagement party mm. and I got drunk and in a blackout and I have no idea what I said to my future mother-in-law. Mm. <laughs> she never spoke to me again and she ended the engagement. Oh, wow. So I actually don't know what happened. So you have these uh, periods in your life where you have gaps you know I can only assume that I whatever whatever we did that night ended my life with someone I'd been with for about two and a half years I think oh, at that wow. stage and wanted a life with so uh, yeah I came back to Christchurch and was very was full of remorse mm. and poor me's and blah 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 and um, yeah did, uh, that period was really bad there was about six months here that was really bad and I think someone in that time mentioned AA so I went to AA and how did you find AA going going in there that first time how did you how did you feel with the experience of that uh, it's a long time ago, yep. and there weren't a lot of young women, okay. older women, um, mostly men, but I knew I had to be there. I think from the first sharings, first meeting, uh, someone mentioned that uh, alcoholism is a soul sickness, that we have a hole in our soul, and I heard it. I really, really heard that, mm. <laughs> that message. Um, I didn't identify with a lot of the stories, but that stayed. Um, it made sense of, of who I was in a way that I hadn't been taking care of my inner life mm. and I knew I needed to. So in all that kind of craziness in my head, the fog in my head, all that emotional pain I was going through, um, I could, yeah, that, that clicked, mm. that clicked. So I kept going. Yep. Yeah. And so have you been, I mean, you say you're 14 years sober now? Yeah. 
Um, and is that from that first time you came? No, in? no, no, because no, I'm a much older person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a middle-aged, um, much older person than I was in my early 20s. But uh, So I did go to AA briefly here in Christchurch and then left and mm-hmm. went to, I went, I moved away because uh, I got married mm-hmm. and became a mother. So for over 20 years, um, oh, I think 21, 22 years, something like that, 23 years, um, I didn't drink. So I remembered what a told wasn't going to meetings mm. at all. Um, again, the shame thing came in. Mm. You know, there was like, how shameful to have to go to AA. <laughs> so I knew I couldn't drink and I wasn't depressed by that mm. life of not drinking. It was certainly better than having blackouts and not mm. being able to control it. So the first time round, I learned don't get resentful and um, try and develop a spiritual life. Uh, it was a few things I picked up, mm-hmm. but I didn't get the basics. You know, I didn't really understand. I was too too much in a fog to really understand what alcoholism was. And then eventually, my um, child grew up and left home. And within a year, I was drinking. Wow! And having lots of blackouts. Yeah. This time, I was just with one uh, one in one relationship, mm-hmm. so I didn't get myself into any trouble. Mm at all really like with anything much I was drinking with him mm-hmm. but um, I was at work one day and my colleagues said just matter of factly about Saturday night and I said what do you mean and I had phoned her oh. in a blackout so <laughs> that old memory came back yeah. of that engagement and what had happened I mean this probably happened all the way through when mm. I was drinking I probably rang lots of people and upset them and yeah whatever ostracised people but I thought, oh my God, because I don't remember it. I yeah. just thought I was at home drinking with my partner. And yeah, so a few months later, I ended up back in AA in that town up north. And I haven't had a drink since then. So, Fantastic. Yeah. So what's the difference this time around? I mean, obviously you went, obviously you started going to AA when you were younger. I was too young. Yeah. yeah. For, yep. me, for me. Yeah. Yeah. And this time around, how have you found sobriety? Like... Um, well, there's no shame. Yeah. You know, that sense of shame that was instilled by my family and when I was younger. And this time it's like, I want to be alive mm. without drinking. And this time there were lots of women my age <laughs> <laughs> and younger. Yeah. And it was a whole different vibe, really. Yeah. yeah. And can you tell me just... It was very uh, inclusive Yeah. this time around to when I was younger. I felt very, very vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. And so... Can you tell me a little bit about what do you do today to ensure your sobriety, to stay sober? Um, I make sure I get to a meeting every week yep. and if I needed to more. Um, but I try and have a balanced life with other things as well that um, I enjoy doing. I've been back in Christchurch for about a year, 18 months or so now. Mm-hmm. So I'm settling back in and um, I keep, you know, I keep look after my physical health mm. and uh, my emotional well-being and... I don't have all the terrible encounters with people that I used to have. Emotional encounters, yeah, encounters, whatever. And it's, hard to, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to describe that. Um, um, I was sort of two people in one way that, yeah. you know, I was kind of forthright. If I had opinions, I had opinions. Mm-hmm. But I was also kind of shy. There's another part of me that was quite shy and would internalise stuff. So, um, yeah, these days I listen to people. I don't mm. sort of push my ideas on people and so forthright I suppose and that that lonely sort of shy person 
I recognise as just being someone who likes my own space. Mm. It's it's okay, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. So, I, I these days I try and balance my life by having time, private time that I need, and enjoying friends. And that's that's the balance that I would like to have had mm. growing up in my teens and twenties. But you know, I just could never get there. Mm. <laughs> You talked about a wee bit of earlier about the soul sickness. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What do you do today, being sober, to fill that soul sickness or to, to resolve that? The whole in my soul, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm incredibly grateful. Mm. Just really, really grateful to be well, you mm. know. And, uh, yeah, my mind, I'm sane. Mm. <laughs> Which through more drinking and more blackouts, I would have just become a Corsakoff or... Mm. Or these days it's called alcoholic dementia. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's really scary. I've been saved from that so far, mm. yeah, day at a time. Because obviously we hear that AA is a, is a spiritual program, not a religious yeah, program. Yeah. So what does that, that mean to you, that spiritual aspect? Uh, well, religion is kind of um, rules and dogma, and that may suit some people, so that's great. Um, and I quite like tradition myself. But um, the spirituality is just about... Accepting, I have a divine spark mm-hmm. in me, and um, I need to, you know, live a life where I rely on that, I trust in that. Mm. Yeah, it's lovely. And so today, obviously, those feelings of shame and remorse and things—you've dealt with all of that. Long gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Long, long gone. Real yeah. sense of freedom from those. There's things. a sense of freedom. Yeah. yeah, there is really. Fantastic. A lot of peace of mind, you know. Mm. Mm. Which I know. You know, is not something we have a lot of when we're drinking. <laughs> Thinking about, like you were saying, with the blackouts and having to think about what did I say and what, yeah. And a lot of people doesn't matter. They don't yeah. care, and they mm. just carry on, enjoy their drinking, and and that's who they are. I, you know, me, and um, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. Mm. So, is there anything you're talking about other people as well? So is there anything that you would say to someone that's maybe having trouble with their drinking or with the consequences of their drinking? What would you maybe say to someone that was thinking about reaching out for help? Well, if they wanted to try AA, it may not work for them. That may be not something they want to do. As I said the first time round, I kind of, you know, ran away because I thought I could just stop drinking, mm. <laughs> which I did for a long time. Mm. Um, but I wasn't doing the program and I wasn't particularly happy mm. a lot of that time too. Um, come to AA, come to a meeting. Mm. And if you don't like the look of one meeting, there's a whole lot more around Christchurch. Yeah. It's interesting. I was going to actually ask you a little bit about that before, and you've just you've just talked about it a bit. Obviously, when you weren't doing meetings and you weren't drinking, no, but you weren't as you just you've just sort of said you weren't happy, no. Whereas this time in sobriety, you are. So, well, the steps. I mean, most people have heard of twelve steps of AA. The steps actually help you deal with the past stuff. Mm. You know, we've got you. You really look at some things in depth and uh, share with a mentor like person, mm. and. Um, I start to realise that those things, that wasn't me, that was my mm. disease, that was me drinking, yeah. So this time round I've dealt with all that emotional pain and yeah. regrets and guilt. Mm. <laughs> Alright, so could you tell me a little bit about what life's like for you now and have you, is there any goals or anything for the future or what? Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, well, the programme, the AA programme is about 24 hours, mm-hmm. living 24 hours. Yeah. Not living those the day in regret and guilt and anger from the past and not worrying about the future. So it's really very much in the day. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Mm. I love it. You know, I love that way of living. I do have some plans for the future, dreams, things, um, bucket lists, whatever you want to call it. 
uh, and we'll see how that goes. And but you know, I came to Christchurch wanting a house. Uh, finally found a place, so I have a home. Fantastic. And I've you know wanted to make some friends, and you know that takes time for me. I'm not someone who makes friends easily, but I've got a, some couple of really good friends. Um, and that's what's important to me is having mm. that home people around me I care about and uh, and work and some work it's not the job I want but it's work <laughs> mm. and um, I was told when I first came to A the first time round uh, if you're sober you will always have a place to live you will always have enough and you will always be looked after and I come back and say well that was true even when I was drinking mm. and I was hit rock bottom and yeah I was never really on my own <laughs> mm. yeah and I think that's lovely. You talked earlier in the show about, you know, the feelings of loneliness when we're drinking. And um, I think that's so lovely to hear that you don't have that, you know, not only the promises no. of always being looked after and always having a place to live and always those things being taken care of, but it's those, the feelings that we used to, you know, live with that you've talked about and now not having to have that, never being alone, which is just so lovely. One of the steps talks about um, making amends to people we've hurt. Mm. There might be a lot of people I hurt that I don't know I've hurt. Mm. <coughs> Most of them have died anyway, <laughs> so that's a bit of an excuse. But um, when I started making amends, mm. something happened, and it talks about freedom from financial insecurity mm. and freedom from worries. And freedom program talks about a lot of freedom and hope and love. And after I started making amends, which actually took a long time to mm. get started um, I got some of those gifts of sobriety we call mm. it you know that peace of mind and that sense of it'll be okay yeah mm. and it has and it is and you know it's not perfect I mean you know but it's pretty good mm. <laughs> a far different from life from what it was like when we were drinking I just want to thank you very much uh, Maria for coming on the show and sharing your story with us for our listeners if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information you can look us up on the web at www.aa org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Work. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5:30 p.m. on Plains FM, and repeats on Wednesdays at 12:30 p.m. You can find podcasts of all our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.
something up, something up too sweet, some exotic medicine to cure my every ill. 